0: I'm not sure what would mean more to them. Well, that's a stupid comment, but clearly they'd like to go to the playoffs, but they would love to knock the Green Bay Packers out and would love to have a winning record this season. As a matter of fact, Dan Campbell told the guys, don't even pay attention to the game. How motivated are you guys? Yeah, we just, we don't want them to go. So that's our motivation. So we're ready. We're trying to play, we're trying to finish this game and see if we can make some plays on both sides of the ball, special teams. And uh, that's our objective. When he was talking to us, he said, look, we don't know what's going to happen, but either we're going to the playoffs or they're not. That was it. That was the message to the team. Either we're going or they're not. And these guys are playing. Hey, chill Alaska. Chill Alaska. They are going to go for it. It's Lazard. And he's stopped behind the line of scrimmage by Alex Anzalone. So forget chill Alaska. Anzalone was all over it. And the Lions will take over at the Packer 31. Every week I say I've never seen that before. And I get to do it again. I have never seen that before. I have no idea what happened right there. Oh, he pushed a member of the athletic training staff. That's ridiculous. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked picked the Packers over us. Stop playing with us. That's all I gotta say, man. Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good. We're not where we expected to be. And so, in that regard, it, it's a complete failure. And, um, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. Let's going on? A little life out here. <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual, I'm your host, that's the Diddy NFL on this Ritter box. and of course, uh, yuck, 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 yuck. I think anytime someone says, well oh, I don't care if I don't care, I just don't want you to have it, very juvenile, um, and it's not sour grapes, it's just yuck, uh, any sort of schadenfreude thing. I don't think I've ever felt that way, and I've supported various teams over the years, but you know, um, not NFL related Packers for life baby Uh, but yeah I don't think I've been a fan of the Packers and sort of zero as long as the Vikings don't get in and I know I know that's a legit thought and some people really hate them and that's how they feel and all that kind of stuff Um, don't know it's just not me I don't um, I don't delight in someone else's uh, downfall I don't like the Vikings I don't like the Bears Uh, I don't like the Lions and you know Seahawks were annoyed me for a while and all that but you know what but anyway Aside from all of that, I've got some good news. So if you're tuning in to hear me have a good day moan, um I'm not going to really go down that road. Now, I will. What I'm going to do is I'm going to digest the game, do a few talking points about the season, but I've got some really, really, really massive news. It is the 10-year anniversary of UK Packers. Founded in 2013. It's now 2023. Um, and I always had this idea that I wanted to do something spectacular um, and we offer a lot I feel you know with the community aspect and podcasts and entertainment and all that kind of stuff I am getting to the point uh, but one of the things that we always love to do um, was right at the top of our list when we formed the group was is to bring people over to Green Bay and give them the trip of a lifetime now I've been extremely fortunate to be able to do that every year um, and go over to Green Bay and, and bring a troop of people over and all that but I do understand that it is expensive and that's not on everybody's um sort of list of things that they can do so my plan is and I've put it in motion and it's live it is happening it isn't a gimmick I'm going to pay for somebody to go to Green Bay and I mean all expenses paid I'm talking flights transfers game tickets tailgating the works right and how we're going to do it is is we're going to do it through Patreon so patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and I've created a tier and it's only a fiver. So for five quid, you could be going to Green Bay, Wisconsin, going to Lambeau Field and seeing the game this coming year, this year, uh, live. And you can, if you go onto our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash UK Packers, you can see you know, all the various times that we've had. And I've, I've done a lot of video work lately. But this is not a drill. If you get onto patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and you go to the Lambeau tier and get in there and you become a patron for a fiver a month, you could be going for a couple of grand's worth of cash over to the States with us on our trip. This is nothing to be sniffed at. I mean, talk about it. Like, if you look at all of the big, if you look at the Packers themselves, you look at NFL UK, you look at all these people, they make you jump through all these hoops and they make you enter these anonymous uh, competitions. And, you know, here is us, little UK Packers, right? Uh, who's going to give you a trip. A trip that has been booked out for the last couple of years it's sold out so not only are you coming with us not only are you coming over for effectively free let's face it you're supporting the group um, and you're also help make that dream come true um, and it's for a fiver it's five quid uh, you know which is I just think is is mind blowing I think if I was on the receiving end of it I wouldn't know where to put myself and the trip is sold out so you're taking up uh, a place to go over and realise your dreams and get on there now so the way it's working is is that it's patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and for every month that you're in from now up to the time of the draw, constitutes one entry. So the longer that you help support the project, uh, well, then the more that you could reap the benefit from the project. So if you're in, uh, so the thing about it as well is you sign up on Patreon. It does not take the money straight away. It takes it on the first of every month. So if you sign up now in January and there's a lot of January left to go, uh, you can change your mind the back out or whatever. And the money will come out in February. And it's a fiver. All right. So for five quid, you support the group um, and also you help me save up that cash uh, in order to pay for you to come over to Green Bay. Again, it's not a gimmick. It's not marketing. It's not a ploy. I'm not getting the trip for free. Uh, This is all being paid uh, by Patreon. And that's the dream. I mean, where else would you get it? I'm even blowing my own goddamn mind so patreon.com forward uk packers and if you want any more info you can go on now look if it starts to reach sort of critical mass and we start to get a nice uh, bit of donation stuff coming in well then I'm going to do a monthly draw for the people in the Lambo draw as well so not only can you win a trip to Lambo field you might get a full-sized helmet you might signed, you know you might get signed March look I have big plans but again like I do with the normal patron patreon is that you know the more patrons that join the bigger the prizes get because they just take the money and buy extra stuff so this is a uh, the grandmaster plan for the 10-year anniversary of uk packers to bring you to lambo field with us i am thrilled about it but talk about go from high to a low let's talk let's do it let's rip the band-aid off uh, the plaster as we call it over this side of the pond and let's talk about um this game so You've heard it there, I mean, pre-game they were talking about, you know, what's the Lions' motivation and Dan Campbell biting kneecaps off, blah, 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 is saying, you know, this knocking them out is the motivation. But we heard many of anecdotes and sort of stories before the game that some of the Lions players didn't pay attention to the TV. Jamal Williams apparently said he didn't want to know, just don't tell me because he wanted to keep that sort of fight in him. Um, And, you know, there was an awful lot at stake for the Lions here. As we heard, there's that begrudging kind of, "If if I can't have it, you can't have it kind of thing. The other one is of course is that they apart from knocking off a rivalist don't want their winning record I mean and that's understandable too because this is a program that they tried to turn around and in fact they had more 30 plus games this season than any other team in the NFL so I mean they were putting up points on offense we'll talk about the defense in a little bit we'll talk about the comments that were made to Packers coaches in the elevator but for the Lions They went out, they played the game, we shot ourselves in the foot. The Lions seemingly tried to do what they could as well to shoot themselves in the foot. And the painful part about it is, is this was a massively winnable game. However, the Lions end up with a winning record, which is the first time they've done so in five years. And like I put out on socials, look, this game was never going to be easy. So whether, you know, they had a chance at the playoffs or they didn't have a chance at the playoffs you know, this was not going to be an easy game. We'd already lost to the Lions as we all have been flogged with that all week. Um, But this was never, never going to be easy. And of course, when we lost and there was all that sort of confidence from Packer fans, and I'll go into that, the Lions social team absolutely roasted us. Oh my God. Now they use fart noises. So, I mean, credit where credit's due. If you use fart noises, it's very sophisticated comment. I, do, I, I have a Brett fire fart drop, in fact, uh, on this podcast. Um, But look, they went on about, um one of the main things they kept picking on was Rogers saying, despite the fact that Rogers came out and said, you know, it's going to be a tough game and they're a good team and they're not the same team as they were, but he had remarked that, you know, we can't lose to that team three times in a row. um And, you know, the Lions social media team and the players, they all sort of keyed in on that. And it was sort of like, oh my God, I can't believe you called them that team. But when you look at the defense for the Lions, they had the most yards allowed in the NFL, the fourth most points allowed. So it's not exactly a shock that Aaron Rodgers would turn around and say, we can't lose to that team, a team that has been dominated by the Packers for many a year. But again, credit where credit's due. The Lions came out, uh, did enough what they had to do. Matt LaFleur said in his um, halftime presser, he was saying, look, you know, the team that wants it the most will get it. And that is what it is. And I guess it is that bitter pill to swallow because, you know, seemingly they would have no real dog in the fight in the sense that they can't get to the playoffs and it's just bitterness. But... Like that's what the NFL is, is competition. No one's going to roll over and let you in, especially a division rival. But anyway, this is why I was sort of reiterating to, you know, on prior podcasts, and it's not an I told you so method, but it's, if you've listened to the prior podcast, you know how I feel about it. I just want to reiterate to all of you told you soers before the game, nobody who watched the Packers up to this winning streak would have sanely predicted their run in December. Now you can point to the December record but then what you also have to remember is is that this was 13-3 and rosters we're talking about here uh, from an Aaron Rodgers who was playing at an MVP level with Devontae Adams, right? So you can look at the December record but it's it's totally skewed. It's not magic. You know, you don't look at the December and go, uh, look, obviously things factor in it comes to crunch time of the season you'd have to look at who their opponents were in December uh, the cold weather factors into that and if there's warm weather teams coming in it definitely acts an advantage for the Packers because we know that they practice in the Hudson Centre outside um, so they get that sort of stuff but let me just hold the horses here is that and it was kind of like that moment they talk about the Wall Street crash right and they talk about how JFK's father knew that was coming because the guy shining his shoes or a taxi man was talking about how they were buying stocks and he sort of saw the writing on the wall I had that JFK daddy moment when in the actual serious football analysis they were talking about offense and defense and special teams but destiny they spoke about destiny like it was a thing look there isn't a destiny coordinator Uh, so when you talk about destiny you're in trouble destiny is not destiny is a name of a girl right it's not you know or whatever it's certainly not football analysis. So anytime you start talking about destiny, um, you're going down the wrong path. Now, the team that lost to the Lions is the team that we saw most of the season. And LeFleur said it in his post-match presser when he came out and said, look, you know, success can paint over an awful lot of cracks, but they've got exposed. So, yeah, that of course that's the way. If you look at the stat even down to the Packers and the NFL go-to-go than the red zone, I mean, they were awful. And when you look at the games that we won, especially of... Because I like to look at this Lions game as the anti-Vikings game. Because everything that could go for the Packers in the Vikings game did go. I mean, 14 points uh, in the Vikings game were on the board and we only had 14 yards of offense. That's not destiny. I mean, that's all of three phases coming together, complementing each other. And when you put up a lead, stuff gets easier. Um, and we see that kind of happen in this game, not in that sense, because no one got up to a, a hefty lead. But when the crunch time happens and the Lions went into this sort of desperation mode, as we did and all that jazz, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, you know, you can see how they throw the ball up. There's more 50-50s and sometimes the team can just come down. It. Sometimes you really just don't expect it. But look, the Packers didn't make the playoffs, not because we lost this game to the Lions, we had lost this well before that and we were playing on borrowed time. I mean, there was a podcast that we released a couple of weeks ago that said the Packers are already in the playoffs. Um, And that was simply because, you know, no one expected us to be here. And I know that's a galvanizing moment and it's great to say and it feels like destiny. And I started to get sucked into it a bit too, going, God, this would look amazing on America's team, wouldn't it? You know, but... I think the game was weird. I mean, you know, there's some stuff that when you look at after and uh, the talking points were going to hit on. I mean, that Rasul Douglas slap of the ball when that happened. And that's what that soundbite is at the top of the top of the top, the top of the podcast when Chris Collinsworth uh, was saying, you know, he's never seen that in his life. And the, the explainer for anybody who hasn't heard it yet is, is that they blew the whistle. The lines were going to go for a field goal. And like they always do when you go to ice the kicker, they get the ball snapped and the kicker has a shot at it because the kicker doesn't, he's in his zone, he's in his process. We spoke to Mason Crosby on the podcast many a time. And for them, they're just going through the process. They don't pay attention to anything else. If the ball is snapped and the, the, you know, the punter's holding the ball, they're just going to kick it through the uprights, you know. Um and they've also proved that icing the kicker doesn't work so that's exactly what the Packers did they tried to ice the kicker the whistles blew and Rasul Douglas could see that they were going to get that practice kick as such so he went right up into the scrum and slapped the ball away so that they couldn't get that practice kick off that's not what the penalty was about the penalty was about where um the Lions player took offence to that and pushed him and then Rasul slapped the guy in the helmet with his hands. in there. I mean, go figure. Um, and he ended up getting penalised. Like they always said, he always get the second guy as well. And we need to talk about Quay Walker. All right, so Quay Walker, again, the only player on record to be ejected twice since records began to be records, <laughs> right? Uh, and he got it for pushing the athletic trainer. And... Um, and again, all of this stuff has been pointed out. This is your first round pick, right? And especially what what happened with Damar Hamlin and everyone's the three on the field is highlighted because of him and all that kind of stuff. And then you push an athletic trainer. Now, look, there has to be a bit of common sense here and a bit of middle ground too. I mean, all right, you know, you look at the situation, the player was down, it was not even close to the situation with Damar Hamlin. So you can draw these parallels, to try and make it more dramatic. Uh, but I see all these people sort of, you know, coming out and saying, look, oh, I stand with Quay and all this kind of stuff. Now, Quay Walker come out, and first off, you can see Matt LaFleur, like, absolutely giving him plenty on the sideline. And then Quay Walker comes out and says, you know, look, I'm really sorry, and he owns up to it and stuff. But look, this was building. You could see this building throughout the game, and we all know, I'm the body language expert here in the podcast. And you could see that sort of floppy arm, Napoleon Dynamite-style stuff going on, and the posturing um, that we saw. Uh, well into the game he was obviously getting frustrated but he's a hothead and that's proven itself now twice to be the only player uh, since records began to be ejected twice in the one season and this guy's a rookie now he owned up to it and said look it's a rookie mistake not going to do it again he reached out to the trainer and said the trainer would reach out to the team and he didn't qualify it'd be so easy to say oh I felt someone pushing me so I turned around and pushed them and it turns out it was an athletic trainer and that was a nightmare for me but he didn't even say that he was just like look it's a it's a rookie moment um he's not going to do it again and all this type of stuff and you'll have the people on one side saying he said it before and he's done it again and all this type of stuff whatever um but all of these people you know there's an awful lot of this muck online as well like twitter and all it's like i stand with quay and like yeah that's fine but he has to own up to what he did and you push an athletic trainer especially at this time it's absolutely ridiculous thing to do uh, pushing uh, someone who isn't in uniform on the field is ridiculous anyway you know people get into it on the sideline and stuff like that even when players start fighting like you know Finnegan Courtland Finnegan used to do that um, when he used to go after people on the on the field uh, and um, they start slapping the helmet off him and stuff it's just once you get that rolled up they're trying to get into your head but the push and athletic trainer you know there's all this talk about him deleting his Twitter and people piled on and there's a middle ground there somewhere I mean he he's obviously open to critique and criticism god damn like look what he did uh, but then once you start throwing vitriol at him and all that kind of stuff well then yes you need to draw the line but certainly certainly deserves uh, criticism and I don't think we can get away with that and go oh we're all people too I mean you make mistakes you're going to you know, you're going to get that kind of stuff. But look, the game was kind of never at a reach, really. And I think that's what makes it more painful, you know. I mean, you look at Christian Watson, he's the deep threat. Uh, you look at uh, Bobby Tanya, he comes down with these circus catches. And it's when you see the circus catch action from the tight end, and you look at Bobby Tanya's numbers a couple of years ago, uh, you know, when Devontae was on the team, and you're kind of thinking, why That's why not just play it a bit easier? You know, put Tanya in the slot. Um, why do you have to overcomplicate things? And it really just brings up this sort of, you know, is the scheme too complex? Are they overthinking it? Is Rogers changing stuff? But one thing that really stuck out like a sore thumb was, because when you think about it, right, if you had Jordan, and I'm not advocating Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers, and it's just a pondering, right? But if you were to get Jordan Love and stick him in there, you'd have to automatically just sort of dumb down your system a little bit because obviously he's not going to have the experience and arm talent and blah, blah, blah. Um, so you end up using your tight end probably as a traditional tight end. You use them as that kind of safety valve, the same as you do runs out of the backfield. You know, you you get the running back to get open, which is another thing I found that the Packers kind of failed at this season. You know, you lose Devontae Adams, and you see the good hands that Aaron Jones has. We've all seen him do these circus catches as well. So why you can't use Aaron Jones better um, when you're devoid, especially earlier on in the season, of receiving talent? then you definitely should do it. Now, I am going to approach certain topics because the podcast will not end. It's gone to once a week now um, it's because obviously there's no quick snaps. But a couple of the topics that I'm looking to tackle in the future is, you know, they've, there's talk about retaining uh, Joe Barry as the coordinator. We want to talk about A-Rod's retirement. He came out and said, look, I'm not going to hold the team hostage and nobody wants this sort of on again, you know, Ross and Rachel saga of will she, won't she, do they love each other. Um, You know, the offensive performance and the woes that we've had, the free agents that we're going to come up against and the salary cap conundrum. Uh, the draft guide, it's always one of my favourite times because I don't watch college football. So Peter Jones comes in and absolutely knocks it out of the park with the draft guide. It's sensational. And he's really, really good at breaking it down. Uh, we're going to talk Packers history. We're going to talk performers of the year and underperformers of the year, uh, running back catch rate and did they catch enough to release the pressure and how would the scheme look? But what certainly sort of appeared to me was, is that, it, and again, this is not really coming as a shock, but, you know, from all of the times that we've had journals on and we talked about, you know, the scheme versus Rodgers versus whatever, and there's always that sort of honeymoon period where even if a new coach comes in and they're not that good, is that the players will play for him because, you know, they're kind of impressing the new guy. But what really struck me was is that, of course, Matt LaFleur, and you, you might go, Steve, this is obvious, but Matt LaFleur could quite easily operate when Aaron Rodgers was playing at an MVP level. How much that played off against the other um, is a talking point. And you see even Bill Belichick's uh, legacy being brought into question just with Brady's success that he's had with Tampa Bay. But when you look at it, so when he has a subpar quarterback performance, the scheme doesn't, doesn't seem to be able to handle that. So, if we're saying okay, well let's bring Jordan Love in, and he does play at a suboptimal level. He certainly will at the beginning when he's getting finding his feet, and we don't know what his ceiling is. Um, well then when you when you look at it, then you're like, like is this not the warning bell already? You know, and I know wanting because an awful lot of people want Rogers gone for his attitude and his play. Is kind of resorted to what it was before Love Floor came in and kind of gave that injection and um, the play was dipping now you can look at his play and you can look at other quarterbacks play and say a good year for Aaron Rodgers is or a bad year for Aaron Rodgers is a great year for someone else and that rings true but there's a couple of things a couple of fundamental things with Rodgers and I know we can get into it now once we sort of you know blow the dust off the season but I mean Aaron's deep ball leaves a lot to be desired and I know there was that thumb injury and how much of that is involved and how much of that is latent and when it gets cold does it flare up and What's the story there? Because certainly in this game you saw some just brain fart moments which is sort of linked in and tied to the fact that Rogers used to have a higher completion rate when he was under pressure. Now that might be to do with the fact that the offense was predicated on that pressure um, and that it involved him scrambling and his wide receivers were so adept at tuning in with him and knowing when to work back to the ball. So by sheer design he almost wants you to rush him because then that opens up opportunities. That could be the case. Or he could be, you know, there is a drop-off. As you get older, there is a drop-off. You don't have that arm strength and you're sort of more nervous about being hit. Now, when you look at Rogers in that game against the Lions, there was one period at the very end where he got pressured a lot and that's what ended his, his last play in Lambeau Field of this year and some people are speculating ever uh was an interception, uh, very Farvian. Uh, but when you look at that, I mean, that was under pressure. He was just freaking out and trying to get the ball out. And the pass before that interception was a really bad uh, skewed pass to AJ Dillon. And it's really like he just freaked out during headlights kind of thing and wanted to clear the ball out. Uh, and I think he got drilled on that play anyway. Um, so again not questioning the guy's toughness or anything but typically what we've seen from Roger is brilliant under pressure wasn't the case his accuracy is incredible and we again we saw that drop off and he not stopping an awful lot of interceptions now credit where credit's due as well I mean the Lions played an absolutely um, fantastic game and there's some really impressive players for the Lions Kirby Joseph is one I just thought he was a real standout player and just I mean the guy's brand new you know and he was able to talk to talk and walk to walk and then on the flip side of that, then, and just talking about Rodgers and inaccuracy and all that, he certainly wasn't helped by his wide receivers. Four drops versus the Lions. Uh, and Rob Domofsky tweeted out that, you know, there was 32 for the season. There was, they were the third most in the NFL uh, when it came to it. That was double what they were last season. And it's the most drops that the Packers have had in a decade, which is just incredible. And then you look around the room and you look at other veterans and they're sort of saying, will he, won't he come back? And there's this debate now on Mason Crosby. And if the game couldn't be any more anti-Vikings, and this is what I'm talking about, you know, special teams went fantastic against the Vikings. Keyshawn Nixon couldn't get out and going. When we look at Crosby, he kicks the longest uh, field goal that he's ever kicked in Lambeau Field and bangs off the crossbar and over. And in this game, he kicks one from 53 and it bangs off the crossbar and comes back. So if there was any sort of game between Nixon going the opposite way, between Crosby, you know, not having that good fortune for it to bounce over. But when you look at him as as a free agent, and people have kind of been writing him off an awful lot, but when you look at games like this in the winter, in Lambeau Field, uh, you know, December, January time, when you're dealing with windy conditions, cold conditions, there's no better guy than Mason Crosby to be able to uh, work these conditions. Because his value, obviously, is his accuracy and his longevity and all that kind of stuff. But more so than anything else, he knows Lambeau Field. And look, playing for the Packers is a really unique thing because, as you everybody knows, or if you don't, the Packers do not practice at Lambeau Field. They practice at the Hudson Centre. That's why you when you go on a stadium tour, they don't let you into the locker rooms. And they don't let you in because that's actually where all the player stuff is. It's not like... You know some of the soccer teams that you've went to, and you get to go into the stadium and paw away at their stuff because, you know that that's not really where they they are. They go into Lambeau Field, and that's where they tug out, and then they walk over to the Hudson Center, so that's their changing room, um, which is just bizarre. So when you look at Crosby and he's practicing field goals and stuff like that, you know how much of that dynamic and how much does that get in the way? And you saw with the Lions kicker, uh, Badgley. I mean, he missed the kick uh, with six minutes left in the second quarter, and. Rasul Douglas tried to get into. He said obviously with slapping that ball down, um. But we got away with a couple of things as well. I mean, the Lions, one of their touchdowns got called back. Um, they had an interception that got called back. You know, there was a couple of these occasions. Savage played really well, but then he botches a pass breakup on Jameson Williams. But it's lucky that it's a holding call, and that's why it's called back. And then on the very next play, Savage and Rasul Douglas get split by, uh, the offensive player, and he picks up. Uh, you know yards and it just seemed like at that point that was kind of a a, a turning point cuz the next play was a massive gain uh, to Douglas um and then Savage makes the big play uh read a few plays later so there were sort of trading blows there and then we had to switch around and some stuff wasn't working look at the offensive line you know we had to take Josh Nyman off and um, when the game is at 9-3 it wasn't as if it was lost and Zach Tom comes back on again and then some typical stuff kind of rears its ugly head this it was our playoffs you know and it has been a playoffs for a long time and what rears its head Aaron Jones fumbles the ball now again credit where it's due to I mean Kaminsky comes out um, and knocks the ball out uh, for the Packers so again we're right down in the red zone the Packers have a chance to go up at least 12-3 um, you know, and, and again, honourable mention actually to Robert Tanyan because he went and tried to get his foot out of bounds and touch the ball to deem the ball out of bounds when Aaron Jones fumbled it, um. but it didn't really happen. But again, I mean, talk about brain fart stuff. We could have put points on the board. You would imagine, but the Packers were the worst team um, in the red zone. And to quote Matt LaFleur, he said that they were piss poor. And that's an understatement. And that's just what it is. So you imagine you know, getting into the red zone, would we have came away with a touchdown? You know, it didn't seem likely there was some sort of brain fart moments, but, you know, at, at least we would have got a field goal for sure because we were, we were that close. And then the second half swings around and it becomes this kind of uh, cumulative effect. So Kirby, uh, Kirby Joseph comes down, excellent player, then the ball goes to the dubs and he drops it when he's when he's wide open and then Crosby's field goal attempt as I mentioned bangs off the crossbar and comes back um, you know and then it's just one of those weird games too where if anyone wants to go back and if you look at that the long play that Lafleur talks about that they got beaten on it uh, was where uh, you know Goff spins it and the only way to describe it is I must go, must go back and look at it on coach's tape but it seems like that was predetermined that that big long ball that he was going to throw. Because I thought like, oh, he must have saw a matchup at the line that he wanted. But it was Rudy Ford, um, and they got it to the one yard line, um, and then uh, Jamal Williams waltzes into the end zone. Then, but when you look at that play, that seems sort of winging a prayer stuff, and that's exactly how we got beaten by the Vikings, um, as well. You know, is that type of nonsense? Is this wing winging a prayer? Just throw it up and see what happens. But the Packers, even then, you know, were by no means out of it. There was a really good sequence of play. Uh, Watson gets that really long catch. Again, sort of highlighting the fact of how promising he could be next year and how he might sort of, um, you know, get Rodgers back on the team because he might be excited about it. And then Lazard goes in for the touchdown. But then Dubs has a drop on the very next possession. So you look at him, and he was excellent early in the season, and people were really excited to get Dubs and. Um, Watson on this team at the same time and he's sort of seen as like they used to say that to Rodgers and they have said it to him a couple of times well you know you've got Romeo Dobbs and you've got Watson and you know this, is am- this could be amazing right and you look at it and it's for these drops and these sort of brain fart moments that the playoff bid failed. Now, like I said before, this was lost an awful long time ago, and this was just a sort of nail in the coffin, if you will, because again, I'll say it, I mean, if you squeak into the playoffs, and it's amazing after, again, you can say arguably a couple of good games, but when they seem like they really put it together against the Vikings with that complimentary football, um, you look at it and go, oh, they, f- they figured it out, uh, when you sh- suddenly realise it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not really there, and if they got into the playoffs, you know, maybe that wouldn't have, um, wouldn't have happened at all but look the the lions finished out the game dialed up the pressure on on rogers and just made it the the anti-vikes game i mean if you look at even the the cream of the crop the icing on the cake i should say was uh, amon ross st brown uh you know gets the ball thrown to him and drops it uh, but he drops it onto his own legs and ours and he ends up coming back with it and they mark it down as like oh no he, he didn't um, and then they go back and look at it. It's just simply miraculous, you know, and then the Lions pull out all the stops and the game ends on a pitch and then they complete a pass on fourth and one to run out the clock. I mean, you know, you couldn't script it. So the game was just bonkers from, from end to end. The Packers never really seemed out of it, but I don't know about anybody else. It seemed like one of those games that you could kind of see the writing on the wall once the second half kicked in. Um, it certainly did with me you know there's those games where you're like oh my god that was that was right there like that game against Tampa Bay in the postseason you know games against the Niners you look at that and you're like "Oh, just stop Raheem Mostert it's all you gotta do just stop him. if you just stop him this is different you know and then you look at the Tampa Bay game and you're thinking just run it in just run uh, I mean what are you doing and it just it comes down to like one play and you know the team is good enough God damn it, I'll mention it, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. We were absolutely leathering them in the first half. And you look at the, and it's just inexplicable. Like my mate texted me going, congrats on the Super Bowl Bert," And I'm like going, just wait. Because you could see it sort of frustratingly slip away. Whereas this game just seemed to me like it was an uphill battle from the very beginning between the drops and the inaccuracy and the, you know, just, the whole lot. The fact that they had to bring Zach Tom in to try shore up the O-line and you know, and then there's this sort of flurry after a game like this of finger pointing and I see some people putting out, you know, plays about A.J. Dillon missing a block and that led to this, that and the other. Look, this whole thing was lost earlier on in the season. Unfortunately, and this is where we're at. Now the only thing is is look, is it a positive? Does this test LaFleur and his one game at a time thing and does it make people galvanize and all that kind of stuff? Who knows? Uh, And there is some concerning things. I mean, when you look at Lafleur and his opening presser, and here's the body language expert again, but I just feel that Lafleur just lacks that slight aggression factor uh, for me, that kind of ruthless factor. Um, And I know he says stuff like, you know, all gas and no brake and all this kind of thing, but just slightly by just little things. And again, I can read too much into it. And if I was to listen to this analysis, maybe I'd scoff at it, right? But... You know, they did that um, podcast with Will Compton and the Barstool lads and Tunyon and Rogers are taking the piss out of LaFleur for his bad sort of jokes and his dad jokes. It's like there's a little, he needs that extra edge and that can be seen certainly in his earlier comments about when he was asked about Joe Barry. And again, like, I mean, the the game hasn't even been over. You know they still have the spotlights on for God's sake. They're putting the the ball boys are putting the balls away, right? And you look at it, and they're asking him questions. Are you going to retain your staff? And of course, he's going to have these conversations and these exit interviews with the players and staff, and assess the season and talk to Goody and talk to Mark Murphy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he says that Joe Barry is likely going to come back, and that's really annoyed people. And I can see why. I mean, it's hot and cold, and the stuff that really drove me insane during this game was at the end of the game where they needed three yards so the packers you know cornerbacks play off and they play zone, and of course they pick it up you know there's massive deficiencies there quay walker getting ejected twice the first time anyone's got ejected twice on record as i said i mean that comes down to a discipline thing you know you don't get someone who's going to get a bollocking from their parents do something when they know they're going to get caught and they'll get home and they have to face the consequences there's a big discipline uh thing there and Rasul Douglas I mean it wasn't and I know people are looking into this and making a bigger deal of it uh you know that retaliation thing that's just it's in the heat of the moment and I understand that it's not good but I understand it and people go well there you go we gave them a shorter field goal and blah 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 but Rasul said that himself I mean you know he said that they missed from here or a similar distance earlier in the game so he was going to make sure he didn't get a practice kick to try do it again like I said the conditions in Lambo there's certain uh, conditions in that place that are just pure odd I mean the world the wind just swirls around blending my words now Um, so you know there's those moments and you look at Joe Barry and say you're accountable for that and then when you look at when the defence did play well and you sort of go are they playing well or are they just playing as they should and there's some stuff that drives people mad I don't have the answers but I do know that the defence an awful lot of times did keep the offence uh, in this game and in the season and of course vice versa because of stuff that just simply wasn't good enough Um, So should he retain Barry? I don't know. But I I do feel that he lacks the, I'm not going to say backbone, but maybe he just keeps people around a year too long. Now, I was convinced that what happened was they asked him about Mike Pettin, And I believe he said the same thing. And then Pettin was let go. So again, I wouldn't overreact or have a knee-jerk reaction to him saying that he predicts that the personnel are going to remain the same. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case. It's just something that he's going to say in the pressers now and then he's going to discuss with them. I mean, they asked him about players and they asked him about, you know, what did you see that was wrong in the season that you said there was some obvious deficiencies that were sort of papered over with success. And he said, I know what they are, but I'm not going to say it because I haven't. I want to sort that stuff out in-house. There's an awful lot of stuff to do. Um, so I wouldn't jump on that Joe Barry news. But if he is retained, uh, well, then we can do a deep dive onto the Joe Barry defense and see what was good, because there was a, a lot of good, but then we can also see uh, what was bad but look that's the podcast unfortunately this season is over the podcast is not over we're going to be bringing some hopefully fantastic content do you know what it kind of gives you an opportunity to kind of sit back and do analysis and you're not kind of chasing your tail into a one game review and post review and pre-review and all that kind of stuff so it's going to be a fun off season we'll keep each other company but like i said the big news is uk packers is 10 years old we're bringing someone over all expenses paid to green bay Uh, the earlier you jump in the more chance you have to win so get on to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and let's make someone's dream come true I've been at Steady the NFL we've been at UK Packers the podcast is back to once a week so until next week Go Pack Go